0: Hi, my name is Shannon Rico, and I would like to welcome you to the inaugural episode of my podcast, Let There Be. As someone who has been given the opportunity to learn from leaders through different media and grow as a leader myself, I wanted to create a show that would allow me to interview and speak to individuals from all aspects of my life that have inspired me both personally and professionally. Through this podcast, I hope to share to those with an entrepreneurial spirit stories that inspired me with the hope that we can inspire you to start on your journey to creation and fulfilling your own dreams or goals with the thought that there is no time like today to begin. In my first episode, I sat down with my daughter, a first-year student at Berklee College of Music, who through her steadfast dream and drive to become a recording artist has inspired me to chase my personal love of music. Janissa, whose artist name is Almost Karma, has begun to collaborate, create, and release music and feed the creative desire she has had for most of her life. I'm excited for her to share with you her story and how she inspired her old man by chasing her own dreams. I proudly bring to you, Let There Be Karma. Hello, Janessa. How the hell are
1: you? I'm I'm pretty good. How are you?
0: I'm doing well. Has it been fun being home?
1: It has been. I have enjoyed actually getting to take a break and not constantly be working so it's
0: good good you had a good school year though right
1: mm-hmm.
0: you feel like you've learned more than you ever thought you would learn
1: Mm-hmm. it's weird that now that I can I've learned so much about um, analyzing chord progressions and understanding the harmony parts of things I can look at the cheat music for any song and analyze it in like 10 minutes um, and just Understand the functions of each chord and modal interchange. I can see where all that comes in and all that jazz. So
0: you were already a music geek, so now you're a bigger one. Yeah. <laughs> Great, fantastic. Well, thank you, Berkeley. Um, so, you know, as a you know first year freshman and also you know a younger student, I don't think most people know that when you went to college, you were 17 years old. Uh, but to somebody who's getting ready to attend to Berkeley. Um, what would you suggest that they keep in mind as they go through and, uh, you know, what has really helped you kind of make it through the year?
1: Um, I, I think that I was told this by um, RA Trevon when we were moving in, and he was like, learn to say no to things. Um, and in my first and second semester, I really didn't say no to things very often because it was like, obviously, yes, I want this opportunity. Um, and while opportunities are cool, they can also be very draining. Um, so saying no to things and taking time to do nothing is really important. Like you can't just always be doing everything all the time because you will burn yourself out, and then you're going to start hating music, and that's not good.
0: Did you think? Do you think you reached that point this year, or do you think you were able to avoid it but got close? Well, think, how would you describe it? I
1: think I got pretty close. Um, I think that towards the end or towards the middle of my second semester is where I started to see those effects starting to really really uh grab on me and start to really bug me um I I think that because I knew what was happening I was able to sort of mitigate some of those um is mitigate the right word I don't know I don't know it's um to kind of remove some of those pressures from myself Mm -hmm. um and that was it could have been entirely avoided if i had just like taken a step back and slowed my roll and just kind of um done what i needed to do and then start adding the fun stuff on top of that because i wasn't adding the fun stuff on top of it i was just doing it all all the time always so it was just way too much and the fun stuff started to not be as fun anymore
0: so relative to that, you know, um, with your mom and dad being so far away because you were in Boston or in Texas, um, kind of talk about how you built a support network there for yourself, um, you know, whether it be personal or part of the campus thing, t- talk about how that kind of helped you get through as well.
1: Um, so I have a lot more friends than I thought I was going to make in my first year. Awesome. Um, I I mean, it's really hard to not connect with people who love music as much as I do. Um, and I made some interesting choices of friends in the first couple of weeks, um, but a- those were naturally weeded out like fairly quickly. Um, you very quickly learn who's going to be your friend for a long time and who's really not. Mm. Um, and I um, obviously I met my partner, who's very important to me. Mm. Um I m- all of my friends um, that I would hang out with constantly, um, were very good at knowing that like I, I I shut down on myself and I will just stay in my room if I'm allowed to. So a lot of the time they would just show up and knock on my door and be like, all right, it's time for you to get out of your room now. And I would just be like, oh, okay, let me get dressed. And then we would just go and walk around and having people who um, want what's best for you and who want you to be okay is very important. Um, and I think that if you if you let people be there for you, they're going to be. But if you keep people at an arm's length because you're too afraid to get hurt, um, then You never give anyone the chance to get close to you at all. That makes a Um, lot of sense Which is what I'm learning very very slowly.
0: So that's interesting So something as you know your your parent um, kind of seeing you know the experience and worrying about you One of the things that I found pretty For lack of a better term awe-inspiring and for those parents out there who don't know um, You know be inspired by your children let them uh, go out and live their dreams, but uh one of the things I would say is that how quickly you are able to fall into a a group, um, specifically your collaborator, somebody who's taught you probably more than you ever expected to learn. Cerusis, yeah. uh, who you know, I know you've grown very close to. Talk a little bit about um, you know being a freshman, going in. I think he was a freshman as well, right? Going in and immediately falling into a creative rhythm to where you were able to share, I think, you know, you know, talking about some of the things that we'll talk about in a little bit, being able to, um, uh, uh, connect with somebody on that level and share that creativity with such a quick, uh, and quick rapport.
1: Um, it was honestly a little bit startling. Um, when those kind of relationships like happen, it's, it's almost, um, it's kind of one of those things that I'm like, Whoa, when did this happen? Um, because Um, Characis and I originally um, we were on the same floor um, and we were in a group chat together but we we didn't really interact very much Um, and actually I had two other friends that were very close to him and that's how we ended up um, sort of just talking to each other and actually um, he was working on cigarettes with another artist Satine and asked me if I wanted to help write the bridge and I was like you know what sure and so we sat down and all three of us had a songwriting session and me and Satine didn't have that kind of like immediate or immediate like connection where we're just like automatically like oh this makes so much sense we have um we can do this with this word and have this play on words and have this um meaning behind Um, these words um, whereas Cerusis and I were just riffing off of one another like that and my bridge was written in maybe five minutes Um,
0: so that's interesting you know you talk about that a little bit I remember that early version and for those of you who don't know go out, Cigarettes is out on Apple Music Spotify and your favorite streaming platform (laughs) Uh, look under Cerusis and you'll see that under there but one of the things I'll say is that first version I remember hearing it and thinking it was very you know it was a very solid Uh, um, single for you guys to go out. And I could tell that there was a lot of inspiration. And, you know, I I don't think people understand, you know, that there are personal um, situations that that arise. So the the final version is obviously a little different. Mm -hmm. Um, And what I will tell you is thinking, and and from where I'm standing, the ability to go back and recreate something that had already been created. Talk about that a little bit, um, you know, because Stephen obviously being the the initial songwriter and the I I guess the vision of that song and trying to wrap it all together talk a little bit about not necessarily the situation but talk about what you guys did to kind of um, wrap that back around and make it something that was your the two of yours
1: so it was it was a rough situation because obviously both of us still cared about the other artist that was involved um, but there was just so much personal stuff that wasn't aligning, like, cre- creatively we weren't working out either, um, and Steven consistently asked this person to get, uh, get lyrics back in so that they could still have their verse, and this person just kept saying, I, I don't think I can do this right now, I don't think I can do this right now, and after you hit, um, so many times of being told I can't do this right now, you start asking, okay, when? When can you do this? and i think that eventually both of us kind of just got tired of waiting and we decided that we were going to start working on it again together and originally that first verse was supposed to be another artist um we didn't have an artist picked out um and then when it got really close to deadline he was like yeah i just think we need to do it ourselves um and so we Steven ended up writing the new lyrics. I tweaked some stuff, uh, because I didn't want, um, there was some repetitiveness in there that I uh, didn't care for very much, and I was like, hey, maybe we should shift it a little bit different so that it's it's more contrasting, because sectional contrast is really important in songwriting. And um, so we worked on that a little bit, and then when we got back to school, um, we got right on recording pretty much um, and actually there is an original take of the song um, where in my little bridge I say need a hit, need a drink like really really loud K and so I, I made him re-record that because I was like that can't be that can't be out in the world please
0: it's interesting you say that one of my favorite songs and I'm sorry if you guys don't like it I'm a little bit older than you are um, but Kid Rock had a song Called "Only oh God Knows Why," and there's a part of the song where he says, "Listen to the playback," and it's pretty hard, but I really like that part. So, whenever I've done that at karaoke, don't knock it till you try it. Um, <laughs> I, I always overemphasize the. Mm-hmm. Maybe you accidentally got that from me hereditarily. So, <laughs> uh, so, you know, that's an interesting story, and I know that things like that, you know, you hear tales of. That throughout the music industry, and you know, for you guys to go in so young as collaborative artists and start to kind of work through those things, I find it uh, pretty interesting. So you've talked a little bit about your experience as a student, the things, that, the pressures that you felt. You've talked a little bit about your um, creativity with, um, you know, Stephen. I know that when you had gone to the Aspire five week camp, you had written your first song ever. You came back, showed it to mm-hmm. us. I don't think the world has heard that yet, but that's okay. <laughs> um, we won't talk about that right now. Um, you, you know, you ended up joining a band, but um, through, I remember, you know, right before you came home um, at Semester, you uh, had written another song. Mm-hmm. Um, talk a little bit about Hear Me Out and talk about kind of what was going on there and that creative process and what it did, mm-hmm. whether it was cathartic, you know, the therapeutic nature of what it was that you did and kind of talk about that and how it seems I don't know if you'd have had that outlet before you went to Berkeley Mm -hmm. and spent the time with Cerusis and the Mm -hmm. rest of the people that you met. So talk about that a little bit.
1: So originally, um, I had no idea what I was gonna do with Hear Me Out. I I just kind of started playing chords on a piano because I was trying to find some cool progressions because I have um, a note in my phone that's just a bunch of really cool chord progressions that I eventually want to turn into songs. Um, So I was just sort of noodling around with one of those progressions and then I I started kind of singing to myself and I actually have a video in my um in my phone that is that first initial recording of me sort of singing the melody with a little bit of improvised lyrics for Hear Me Out and the night that I wrote Hear Me Out because Hear Me Out was written in an entire night just one night um and I had I don't remember exactly why I was upset, but I was upset for some reason, and I had been hanging out with Steven and Steven's roommate, Um, and Steven's roommate was new on the floor. Um, A couple of my friends already knew him because they had classes together, Um, but he was a new introduction to the friend group, and I tend to be a little bit quieter and more self-reserved, like when I am in big groups, and that night we went to dinner and there were, it was like me, Steven, Steven's roommate, and I think three or four other people, and that's a big group for, uh, considering just my, my social battery gets really low, um, and this new person was just this huge ball of energy, um, and everyone was like, Talking to him, asking him questions, and anytime I would try to interject, I would get talked over, and it was it was very distressing for me because I felt so much like I used to when I was in middle school, and it would happen to me where I would just get talked over and talked over, and nobody really wanted to hear what I had to say, and so I actually ended up leaving dinner early because I was, I was really upset, um, and I just needed some time to be alone, and then so I was sitting in my room playing the piano, and then I started writing Hear Me Out, and I was like, this, this is going to help. This, I think this is going to help me. And so those first lyrics in the song is, are, here in this room, I see nobody but you. When did it get so bright? Uh, cover my eyes, block out the light. Um, here in this room, there is a glass room that we sit in, um, in the cafeteria that we eat in every night. Um, um, and then I see nobody but you is the tunnel vision that it seemed like everyone had when they were just so enthralled with this new person and obviously there's that thing of novelty um, but sometimes when you're already in a bad mood that stuff just really gets to you and then
0: it's kind of interesting that you say that because when I heard it and you kind of shared not a full emotional onslaught of kind of what you had dealt with when you said "sit." You know, here in my room I see mm-hmm. nobody but you mm-hmm. I kind of saw that as maybe you were looking and seeing your own reflection and you felt alone mm-hmm. so it's interesting to hear how you did it because I can see the meaning in both yeah. especially now hearing more about the situation but I just thought I'd share that go ahead mm-hmm. and continue
1: um, and then I my entire life when I get super worked up or when I get super anxious or nervous um, I get very overstimulated so I I like, the lights seem brighter, the sounds are louder, I feel like, um, I'm being choked, um, and so those next couple of lyrics throughout the verse being, um, when did it get so bright, cover my eyes, block out the light, are me trying to calm myself down, work through that panic, and then you get into the, um, pre-chorus, which is, um, the light is bathing me, drowning me, holding me down. I try to speak, but the words get buried in sound. Um, something, listen to me, please hear me out. Um, am I just second best to the rest? And those are me. That's when I I fail to calm myself down, and I start to panic. I start to get very overwhelmed, and then it's it's me. I'm trying to talk. I'm trying to talk, and nobody's listening to me. And then I'm just asking them please hear me out and then am i just second best to the rest because it seems like every time that there's a new person everyone forgets and that's where that kind of um that kind of begging like just please listen to me sure um that's where that comes from and then also being at berkeley You start to feel like your voice your talent is going to be completely drowned out because there are so many incredibly talented musicians When you are at the top contemporary music school in the world, you're gonna have a little bit of imposter syndrome So some of those some of that is me saying I just want people to hear what I have to say even if it's just once
0: That's fair. So did you find the, the songwriting process therapeutic?
1: Absolutely
0: So, you know, in that in that mind, something I would ask you, because you probably don't, you know, a lot of songwriters, those pieces don't come out until way later when they start to talk about the emotion and the the inspiration behind a song. Um, To that, you know, do the people that after you wrote the song, did you share with the people that were in that or the at least the important people to you? Did you share with them what the inspiration was and how the situation was to, to help you get that out?
1: Um, somewhat. I talked to, I think, two people about it, and one of them was Steven, because I, um, actually, when I started writing it, I went to Steven, and I was like, you have to hear this, I think this is, like, one of my most emotional things that I've ever written, and because I had a demo on my phone, you can, I was, like, close to tears, and you can hear that raw emotion Mm -hmm. in my voice, and I was like, I think this is, like, this is something that I have to put out, and I have to put it out. Soon.
0: Sure. Um Absolutely. No, that's cool. And you know, like I said, the the impact of Steven on your creativity and I'm sure he pushes you. mm -hmm. Uh, he was (laughs) the one that said, Yeah, do this, let's let's go put this down, right? Mm -hmm. Um it's awesome that you have somebody like that for you. So um, you know, the creative process, that's so awesome to hear. Thank you for sharing. So, um, you know, you're home now, it's summer, you're getting ready to go into your second year. Um, I know you've made you know, there have been a lot of things going on, I know academically Um, It was a lot harder than I think you anticipated, but like you said you were doing so much that it it was hard to find time for you and um, the creativity um, You like you said you forgot to do the fun stuff. You forgot to do the things about music Um, What are your plans like for for the next little bit? I know you had done the small band with your friends stereo Mm -hmm. heretic and you had done the the one live show Uh, I think you guys are on at least hiatus Mm -hmm. not if not defunct, but um, what what do you got planned for your next creative steps over the next, uh, you know, I know when you get back to school, you're going to go be an RA uh, mm-hmm. for the five-week camp, which is where you started, actually. Yep. Right? Talk a little bit about the five-week camp and how it led you to where you are today.
1: So five-week camp uh, opened the door for a lot of experiences. I think that um, part of the reason that I love um, the studio experience and I love recording music is because in my um, in my time there. Um, I was in a recording ensemble um, taught by Tony Saverino who is an incredible incredible guitarist uh, he's got a band called the Sav tones go listen to them they're pretty cool um, and we uh, that band was called the Riotiers. oh <laughs> um,
0: sorry technical difficulties there folks
1: <laughs> um, the what was, what was I saying? You
0: were saying about the sav tones and being yeah. able to be taught by Tony Savarino?
1: Yes. So um, we were called the Rioteers, and Tony Savarino was great in that he helped us pick the songs and then he was like, have at it. Um, he was there for our rehearsals just to kind of give us some input. Um, but specifically, myself and the other singer, uh, Mila, um, we clicked really well. We got along pretty well. There were some, some things creatively that we didn't mesh with uh, that just just comes from um, our different backgrounds. She's a musical theater singer, I was a choir, everything else singer, so I, I wasn't, uh, we weren't exactly on the same wavelength because we had different images creatively, but um, that experience of working with the riot who so I'm still all in contact with all of them. They're all great people. Um, that experience of performing with them, recording with them and having um, my vocals played back to me mastered and mixed professionally was crazy. I can imagine. Yeah, and I um, ever since then, I mean, I've just been kind of obsessed with the studio recording process Um, and a lot of the things that I learned in my musicianship class which is ear training, but called musicianship, cause ear training is a lot of things and they just kind of put it all under one um, in musicianship. And then um, the things that I learned in my music theory class, who by the way was taught by Mark White, uh, who put together Imagine Dragons, so. When
0: you say put together, you mean he introduced them and made, you yeah, know, kind so, of brought them together? so
1: the guitarists were in his, um, in his eclectic electrics ensemble. Um, and through that, they kind of started to form this this band that eventually would evolve into Imagine Dragons because they met the singer somewhere oh. else.
0: Well, that must um, have been a radioactive meeting.
1: <laughs> um,
0: <laughs> Sorry, Dad joke.
1: <laughs> um, but I think that overall, I mean, I made some incredible friends and it was one of the first experiences that I had feeling like I was because I wasn't really independent, but I felt like I was independent when I was there. Yeah. Um, I felt like I had a lot of freedom and it was a new experience. Um, obviously there were some things that we couldn't do. Like we, because I was under 18, I think I was like, what, 15,
0: 16,
1: 16? 15, yeah, um, like that. we couldn't be out past like 10 30 I think. Uh,
0: what? They let you out till 1030 I'm gonna have to call somebody <laughs> about that. No and so and on that for any of you considering the Aspire camp they had a lot of apps that allowed tracking. Yes. Um, they had to go out in groups. Um, they could send out alerts for the school to find them wherever they were at if they felt they were in danger. So there was a really big focus on security for the students. So.
1: Yeah they they make sure that you are safe and I know that a lot of people think, oh, well, how are they going to know if I'm back at curfew? They do RA checks. You, you have mm-hmm. to be there and you have to be present. You have to show them your ID, all of that stuff. Like, um, the entire time that you're there, between 10.30 and 11, they go through all of the floors and they knock on every door and they make sure that everyone is there. Um, So you do actually have to be back on time because you never know when they're gonna hit your floor Because sometimes they start from the bottom. Sometimes they start from the top Sometimes they start somewhere in the middle like they you can never know so it it's very important to be back on time but I When I was there, I knew that that was a place that was gonna be filled with creativity. I mean I used to go sit um, by the reflection pool in the Christian Science Plaza just because it was there and I thought it was pretty with a couple of my friends and I would sit there and I would write music while listening to Kings of Leon and it was just like a perfect little environment for me and I was like, there is no place in the world that I would rather be even here to learn music.
0: Well, that's a great segue because one of the things I was gonna ask next, so um, your mother and I have always listened to music and exposed you to different music. Mm-hmm. Um, If you can, talk about some of the early inspirations of uh, the music that you loved and that you would say that to this day, you feel that, um, you know, um, have influence on how you write and how you think about music, even if it's not similar. Talk about some of those influences and who uh, really uh, you feel in your music.
1: So, some of the artists that I can think of off of the top of my head that I, I draw inspiration from, from when I was younger, um, are specifically Breaking Benjamin with some of the lyrics that I write. I I have gone through and analyzed some of his songs just to get an understanding of how sectional contrast works because he does a fantastic job of, um, using sectional contrast and making sure you can tell where each section of your song ends and begins. Um, another one I would have to say is probably Bon Jovi because I love Bon Jovi. Um, trying to think of more. Um, I used to
0: like him, but he gives love a bad name. <laughs> again, another dad joke for you.
1: Um, the Beatles, obviously. Uh, cause when I started, um, listening to the Beatles again, um, because I had obviously heard their music my entire life but when I started listening to them again I drew a lot of inspiration um, from a lot of John Lennon's music specifically and um, just Abbey Road obviously is a fantastic album for lyrics um, I'm trying to think of... oh Panic at the Disco is a big big inspiration so is 21 Pilots um, Any anything that you can think of that's like the, the emo holy trinity Mm -hmm. that's that definitely awesome um, so who
0: do you define as the holy trinity
1: um (laughs) i
0: think i know but i just wanted to so
1: it's i think it's supposed to be like panic Panic at the disco fallout boy and my chemical romance Ah, but that's fair
0: that's who i thought yeah and i just wanted to make sure no and you know we've gotten to hear all of that music and you know we always did karaoke at home Mm -hmm. we had karaoke birthday parties as early back as i can remember which is all great, doing the karaoke and singing, right? And I remember going, you going into high school or even in middle school. You know, you were the musical theater kid. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think you loved the choral performance. I remember you coming back from the Magical Fest and loving that choral-type music. Mm-hmm. When was it that you remember looking and going, holy cow, I want to be on stage performing pop, rock, indie, whatever it is. When was the moment that you saw that or felt that it could be real for you?
1: Um, I think that there were a couple moments for me. Um, I actually had to write an essay on this um, my first semester in my um, Engaging with Artistic Space class, uh, which is a seminar that all... uh, Lens is a seminar that all freshmen are required to take, so you have different classes that you can take. Um, But I chose Engaging with Artistic Space, and um, the... (sighs) I lost track of what I was trying to say.
0: It was just a question about, um, you know, when did you feel like you were going to be an artist and that's what you wanted to do?
1: Um, so, specifically for pop rock, I would have to say um, when we went to uh, Great Wolf Lodge um, mm-hmm. and we watched a performance in, what was the restaurant?
0: Will Hoyts, I believe, in Great Grapevine, Texas? Yeah, yeah.
1: Um, we went there and I watched uh, a band perform, um, and they were just a small traveling road band. Uh, and uh, do you remember the name?
0: I don't. I remember they were from Connecticut. Yeah. It could have been like two guys and a drummer. or something weird yeah, like that. It, but.
1: it was. I don't know, but they were they were cool. The lead singer had incredible stage presence, and I was like. Mind blown and because he's this guy that you would look at him and you would just be like he doesn't do music or like he he doesn't have great stage presence, but he got up there and he was just working the crowd. He was so charismatic. And I was like that. That's what I want to do.
0: That's awesome. No, That's great. Um, That's really cool. So. Uh, I know you haven't had an opportunity to perform as an artist yet. One of the things I would like to share, that this is probably the first and only time anybody will, the first, last, and only time that anybody will hear you talk about your music as Janissa, because we've talked a little bit about this. Talk about your artist name, uh, how you came up with it, and relative to who you're going to be as an artist. Talk a little bit about that.
1: Um, So the name, Almost Karma. Um, Honestly, I got it from a song called... Uh, karma Chameleon a culture club um, and cause I thought I remembered uh, mama telling me at some point that she almost named me Karma but apparently I was incorrect um, so I eventually at some point came up with the name Almost Karma because I thought I was like Almost Karma um, and I was like that's that's a cute way to tie in some random history about me but then I was wrong um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, fictional
0: history is still history yeah, right it's fine it's okay.
1: Um, and I, I think that I also was scrambling because I, I knew that Steven wanted to put out cigarettes soon, um, because this is in October when we were originally planning to release cigarettes on November 21st. Um, and I don't remember why we chose that date, but it was just a date we chose. Um, and I... I was like I don't know what name to put on there because I want an artist name but I don't know what I want my alias to be and I was like freaking out and then it just kind of hit me and I was like almost karma duh and so now it's just kind of it just kind of worked out because I really like it yeah
0: I'll tell you I didn't I didn't get it at first but I think over time it's it's actually really stuck for me so it's pretty good um, talk about who you are as an artist and what you're right now. I know you're you know you're mm-hmm. only 19, mm-hmm. but relative to that, um, what does it mean? What does your artistry mean to you right now? And who do you want to portray as you move forward uh, as an artist?
1: So, I have always told myself that when I when I perform, I am a character because I I think I do get really bad stage fright. I just really try to convince myself that I don't. Um, and my way of convincing myself that I don't get stage fright is by playing a character who doesn't get stage fright Um, and through that I think I have started to kind of build a character out of this almost karma persona Um, and the thing with me is that I music to me saved my life Um, music is one of the big things that made me feel like when i was when i was really down when i was having self-esteem issues it was something that was telling telling me that i wasn't alone Um, and if i can do that for like one other person then i'm going to um because i feel it's necessary for me to pay back what the world has given to me and what the universe has given to me in a second chance um, and I think that, and actually when I got this tattoo, which I don't know if you can see it, it's a little semicolon. Mm. I, I don't know how to angle my arm. It's a semicolon with a fermata on top. Um,
0: Wait, you have a tattoo? Yeah. Okay. We'll have to talk about <laughs> that later.
1: Um, the, when I got it, it was because obviously a sem- semicolon is used as suicide awareness, um, basically as a thing that's saying, um, you can keep going uh you could have chosen to end that sentence but you chose to ke- keep going and um fermata and music is basically hold out longer so i added that fermata as like a kind of um, homage to music and what it's done for me um but really all all i want um, out of my career in music is for people to feel heard and for people to know that they're not going through the things that they're going through alone, and it's not completely, um, it's not completely new territory. There are people around you who can help you and that want to help you, you just have to reach out. Um, because I feel like my artistry and music and interviews with musicians have always been my, my grounding thing, because that way, um, I know what some of these people were thinking and then I realized that they are human too. Um, that that has always been like my 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 comfort is knowing that these people are also human and also very real and dealing with things the way that you and I do because they may look powerful and perfect um, in media but in real life they're just people.
0: Oh, that's very good. So, you know, obviously as your father, I'm bare I'm I'm a little bit biased. Um, But I would almost say that, you know, the the music and the lyrics that I hear out of you, even when you're collaborating with Sarusis and hearing those, I would probably give you your own genre of music. Uh, I know you're an emo kid, but I would actually (laughs) call what it is that you're doing probably real mo. um, Because I think the emotions are real. I hear them. And like you said, you're drawing off experience, right? It doesn't mean that the other artists aren't. But I think there's, you know, indie kind of vibe to what it is that you do. And I think you draw very heavily off of that. So... No, so, no, that's awesome. So you guys get ready to hear more from Mama's Karma. Um, you know, as on a closing note, thank you for being here and, and chatting with your old man today. Mm-hmm. Um, if you were to give one piece of advice to someone who's embarking upon or in the middle of trying to determine if they want to be a musician, you know, say it's a seven-year-old who picks up a guitar or an 18-year-old who picks up a guitar or like me, you know, I've got my bass in the back and I'm 50 years old and I'm learning how to play for the first time I've never played an instrument I'll tell you that 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 actually comes vicariously through the inspiration that I get from you you chased your dreams and I'm going to start doing the same Um, but what would be that piece of advice that you would uh, try to give that person who is deciding to be a musician for the first time
1: Um, I would say don't take failure as the final answer because while I never really fully failed at music, there have been times where I've gone to auditions and I've been rejected. Um, I, at some point, uploaded covers to YouTube and they weren't getting any traction at all, and it was very discouraging. But when you do those sorts of things, you have to, you have to be willing to be told no, and. If the sooner that you can learn that your failure doesn't necessarily mean that you can't do it, um, then the better off you will be. One of my favorite stories of a climb to success is Robert Johnson, because um, the story about him is that he supposedly sold his soul to the devil to get better at guitar. Mm But the real story is that in the three years that he was gone and that nobody saw him, nobody knew where he was, he went to a famous um, blues musician who had already seen a bunch of fame in his life and this musician took him under his wing and showed him everything he knew about guitar. And for three years he would sit in graveyards at night and play and play and play because nobody could boo him off the stage if there was no one watching. Um, so night after night, he learned guitar for years and years and years. And then he came back after three years and he showed, he got on stage one night and people were just like, who is this? How did he get so good? And it's just, Robert Johnson was booed off stage so many times more times than he could count. There were people that were telling him that he was playing the devil's music and that God would never forgive him. So the fact that he persevered through all of that and even through being told no, still committed to getting better is one of my favorite stories of a musician rising to fame of all time. Um, So learning that even if you're told no, you should still fight for what it is that you want to do, what it is that you want to share with the world, then you're better off for it.
0: So, no, that's a great way to close. And what I'll say is, I'm glad that you kept going. I love the artist that you are. Um, I love the young lady that you are, and you know uh, your your continued success and your continued perseverance makes me very happy. So, um, thank you for joining me today. And, uh, hopefully the next time we hear from you, uh, it's in a new release.
1: Hopefully. Take care.
0: (laughs) See you guys later.